Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 298, being recorded on Friday, October 28th, 2022. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners. Uh, Jason, it wouldn't be a Jason Scott Show if we didn't have a little Star Wars talk. Um, I have a confession. I am really digging Andor. Uh, I think the rest of the Star Wars universe is out there uh, hating on it, but I'm really enjoying it. I really I liked the character from Rogue One, and it's been fun seeing kind of a slower, more character-driven Star Wars. So how, have you had a chance to watch that at all? I have. I have. Uh, and I'm with you now. I'm not sure I was with you at the beginning. It took me a little while to warm up to it. Um but uh, definitely the last three or four episodes have been a lot more engaging. So now I'm I'm uh, eager for the next episode to come out. Yeah. And then um, one I haven't seen that's getting a lot of buzz is Tales of the Jedi, which uh, you know this is kind of from the right before New Hope era with Andor. And then Tales of the Jedi goes back to the prequels. Um, so talking about some of the characters there and in Clone Wars and stuff. So uh, that's on my list of things I'm going to do this weekend. Oh, fun. I watched the first episode of that. Uh, this won't be a problem for you, but we're like, oh, cool. Another animated Star Wars series. Uh, this will be great to watch with our seven year old. And it's, it's, um, a little dark. <laughs> oh, it's, okay. a little, it's a little adult for a seven year old. I had to fast forward in some places. Yeah. We had to be ready. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We wanted to talk. So this is the, you know, we're in this critical part of the retail calendar where we're we're barreling towards Halloween. Um, we got Q3 behind us and we're we're basically into the holiday season. So we wanted to update everyone on some of the releases that came out here um, from the big companies, uh, specifically Amazon. We're going to take a deep dive into that, but I always think it's interesting to kind of see the setup. Long-time listeners will remember that that uh, one thing I think both Jason and I are proud of is we identified a- Apple's changed privacy called IDFA. Some people call it ATT. I'm just going to call it IDFA to keep it simple. Um, as this huge problem that no one was willing to pay attention to, and we are still feeling the ripples for that. What's it been, Jason? Two years now? Two years later? 18 months? Yeah, 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 it's crazy. Yeah, so it's gotten it's gotten really crazy. So, so the the lead up to Amazon started with Snapchat as as it frequently does, and I say this I've said this for the last three quarters, um, and they it keeps getting worse. <laughs> the you know so not only do their you know they 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 had this period of time where they felt like they had stabilized, but it's very clear the management team has no idea what's going on with IDFA. They don't have a solution, and Wall Street has kind of lost all all hope. Um, and then their quarterly calls are. Just total bedlam. Like it's it's a like nothing I've ever seen before. So if you're an entrepreneur and want to see what a uh, you know a reason not to go public, go listen to one of the Snapchat uh, Wall Street calls. They they do not go well. Um, and then so that was that was kind of a bit of a train wreck. But not surprised. This is kind of like the third train wreck. So you're, you're kind of used to it. Uh, I think the one thing that started to spook Wall Street was Google came out on the 25th, uh, and they basically you know their results were below expectations. Um, and they, YouTube specifically, they, they have their segments. We talk a lot about the Amazon segments, but they have a 
they have a search segment, a third party search segment, like a, you know, a first party search. They don't call it this, but they have the, I guess they call it the network, which is Google off of Google. So that would be like the Apple search experience. Then they have the Google search experience. Then they have the YouTube and all these other things within the alphabet family. Well, the YouTube one is under a lot of pressure and it's not really clear. It feels like it's dually suffering from IDFA problems. Like advertisers are not being able to track the efficacy of those YouTube videos anymore. But then also um, the TikTok, you know, so, so you would know better than I do. Uh, I only have one 16 year old uh, and a 10 year old niece to reference, but uh, it seems like everyone under a certain age and even over uh even creeping into our age group is just spending hours uh, of looking at TikTok videos. So, so that has become a huge problem for YouTube because there's only so many hours in the day. And if you're looking at TikTok videos during all of them, you're not watching YouTube. Do you have uh, any insights into the TikTok world? Yeah, no, I, I actually think it might be interesting to, to explore a TikTok deep dive in an upcoming episode because it, it really is, the social platform that feels like it's grabbing all the oxygen right now. Like the, the audience engagement is, uh, way up. There's, you know, there's been a bunch of interesting evolutions about, um, uh, segments of, of the, the audience that are using TikTok as their primary search engine, which is interesting and surprising. I think to a lot of people, Google is certainly trying to position TikTok search as a viable competitor to Google, which, you know, might half be true, half be, antitrust. Um, and then, uh, it's also true that we've, we've, there've been all these recent studies rec that, uh, a lot of millennials are, um, using TikTok, uh, primary as their primary source of news. So that's another, you know, factor, but it's, it's just winning a lot of entertainment minutes right now. Um, which also, by the way, means it's winning a lot of advertising dollars because the advertisers want to go where the, the engaged eyeballs are. So, uh, that's been a big thing. Yeah. The, the other thing that's interesting, um, and I didn't put this in the show notes, it just occurred to me, both Android and Apple are seeing softness in their app store revenues, specifically in the game segment. So there's two schools of thought there. One is there's, um, so one of it is the IDFA has rippled into that where the games are uh, not getting as many new customers because they're not running as much advertising because they can't measure the efficacy of it. This one's interesting because this could be an indication Apple shot themselves in the foot with IDFA. Most of the impact we've talked about on this show have been beneficial to Amazon where, you know, crushing Facebook or hurting Google. That's obviously kind of, you know, those are the nemesis, the nemesis of, of, of Apple, but this is one where where you're starting to see it actually impact them, and I think they call it their services revenue. Um, so that's one school of thought. The other school of thought is, uh, and I, you know, I they don't give us enough data on this, is that no, it's TikTok because people are just sitting there watching so many TikTok games. It's replaced the playment of casual games, so people aren't paying playing those addictive little Candy Crush type games and Clash of Clans. They're uh, they're watching the TikTok videos, so. So it's interesting to to watch these consumer behaviors are changing very quickly in this post-COVID world um, in interesting ways. And it's hard to tease out exactly what's going on, but there's definitely, you know, some some big changes out here that I think will ripple into our our listeners in the retail e-commerce world as well. Yeah, um, it, I do think both of those things are factors. I also think there's another interesting thing happening with the 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 game revenue from the app stores. I feel like they're history is repeating itself a little bit 
if you're super old school like you and I, you remember all the old console-based wars, right? Like Nintendo versus Sega and uh, Atari and Intellivision. And one of the themes that played out on those platform things is often one of the platforms would be super open and invite a bunch of publishers to make it really easy to publish titles. And so there would be a huge dearth of titles, but they would mostly be of low quality. And then another platform would make it really hard to publish titles, which would really restrict the the amount of titles that were available, but they tended to be better. Um, and over the history of video games, the latter strategy has always won. Um, that like when you have too many crappy titles, uh, eventually like the audiences get disenfranchised and they leave the platform. And it does feel a little bit like that is what's ha- like the app store revenue became so lucrative for these guys that they made it super easy for everyone to bring titles. There's no more discovery on the platform because there's the signal to noise ratio is so poor that the only way you would discover a new uh, game title would be via a Facebook ad, which no longer works, right? Like, And so it, it, all of this is kind of coming to roost, it feels like. Got it. Yeah. The uh, And then so that got everyone kind of wonky. And then Facebook slash Meta did their release. And that was just uh, – that was – that went from their last Q2 was kind of concerning. Uh, and then this was kind of a train wreck. So they're – Expenses are running rampant. They are spending a lot of money on virtual reality, uh, and they're seeing no revenue from that. The, that revenue is way off where it should be. They are announcing – they announced like a – did you see this? The Pro headset, which is like $1,200. Yeah. Um, and it can track your your arms and feet and even your facial expressions or something. It's super fancy, but um, you know they're, they're not seeing any engagement from people – buying the Oculus, or I guess they don't call that anymore, buying the, the devices the meta, and meta quest, <laughs> the meta quest, buying the meta quest or, or any of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so then you would think they would get on there and say, all right, Q3 was rough. We're going to, we're going to uh, moderate this going into the Q4. They're like, nope, we're going to double down and it's going to actually get worse in Q4. Uh, so that, that freaked people out. Um, um, you know, Jim Cramer on CNBC, I'm a CNBC junkie. He had the previously days he said that, you know, he predicted they would come to their senses and you know, do a little layoff and this kind of thing. And it was the opposite. And he, uh, he got on TV and apologized to viewers and got kind of emotional there. Um, so that was, that was interesting. And, you know, they, they're, they seem totally distracted by the metaverse and not really, they didn't really have much commentary around ads. It's, it's off uh, a fair amount there due to IDFA as well. Um, and then, a bright spot was then yesterday morning. So this is Thursday morning. Shopify announced, um, and they had uh, a little bit of positive news. What what did you see there, Jason? Yeah, yeah, they actually had a a a, a meet and beat all around. Um, the uh, you know uh, revenue was up twenty two percent. You know there there's a bunch of different. Uh, metrics at, at uh, Shopify these days because they have like the recurring revenue, they have the attachment sales. Um, attachment sales were are particularly interesting. And this is how many of the various Shopify services each merchant uses. So are they using ShopPay? Are they using uh, f- uh, Shopify fulfillment, the the POS system, all these things? And the, the attachment rate went way up, which is encouraging for Shopify. Um, and the marquee number is probably total GMV going through their system. Um, and that was up by 11%. So it was, uh, $46 billion for the quarter. Um, and, you know, the Shopify has really been beaten up the last few quarters and, and, uh, you know, had a lot of down quarters 
And a lot of it was like uh, uh, e-commerce got overhyped and Shopify overbuilt. And now that reality setting in, they're getting creamed. Um, and so, uh, the, the, the guidance was pretty low and, and, uh, Shopify had a pretty solid quarter and sailed by it. So I think their stock has had a nice little boost as a result of that. Yeah. And Shopify is kind of an outlier because they do this pre-market uh, announcement, which is kind of uh, the new fashion because there's so many companies that do aftermarket that you don't get the analysts that you want on your call. So they've, they've moved to kind of a morning announcement. So they, they did it Thursday morning and then that set up Amazon. It wouldn't be a Jason Scott show without Amazon news. Your margin is their opportunity. Okay. With that out of the way, uh, the way I would characterize this one is a miss and lower. So from a Wall Street perspective, they're always kind of thinking, how did you do against our expectations for the current period? And then how did you do for our forward-looking expectations? So so Amazon missed current and then actually uh, lowered, kind of missed the future as well. Um, let's dig into it. There's mostly mostly a lot of headwinds, which does not bode well for, for an e-commerce or retail holiday uh, here in the fourth quarter. But let's dig into it, and there are some uh, there are some positives in here that we'll pick out. So, um, also as we record this, the stock's down ten percent, which you know uh, Amazon's one of the largest capitalized stocks out there at over a trillion dollars. So, so ten percent is a hundred billion dollars, and and so a lot of lot of money sloshing around, and it was That's off like as two much. Twitters. Yes, uh, yeah, it is. Good, good math. And it, <laughs> it's down two Twitters today. Uh, and it was down as much as 20% in after hours trading. So, so really, really kind of a tough report here. Um, the other caveat before we dig in is I don't know if most people track this because um, unless you went on an international trip or had some international business, you would know. But, um, you know, one theme we're going to talk a lot about is Europe. So Europe has the, 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 you know, the geopolitical issues with the Ukrainian um, situation there. Uh, and then uh, they have an energy problem because they get most of their energy from Russia. So they're having energy. They also are suffering from similar inflation trends that we're seeing. Theirs are worse because the energy is, is orders of magnitude worse than we see here in the United States. Uh, and that has created a currency fluctuation, very unusual. So, so it used to be that, that, um, you know, a dollar was worth, uh, Euros were worth many dollars, and now that is inverted. We're at like parity there, and the pound is. The, these currencies are at at multi year, multi decade lows versus the dollars. So the problem when you're like Amazon and you have a pretty big chunk of your revenue coming from an international entity like that, when you compare year over year periods, uh, it creates a financial exchange headwind. We'll report all these numbers without that, but but it is. Created, you know, the absolute dollars of revenue and whatnot are, are off even more due to that currency uh, headwind that, that's out there. So let's look first at revenue. Revenues came in at 127.1 billion. Wall Street was expecting 127.4 billion. So that 0.3 billion was the miss. That's 300 million dollars. Uh, that's um, you know, to, to the average retailer, that's pretty cataclysmic, but that's actually pretty small from a percentage standpoint. Um, and, you know, I think if you looked at the financial exposure and whatnot, it largely um, can be explained there. Um, the, one of the bright spots we'll talk about is North America revenue. So this could actually bode well for listeners that that are have almost just pure United States exposure. The revenues were up 20% um, year over year, which is pretty impressive and an acceleration from last Q, which was 10%. Now, they did have a 
uh, is this right, Jason? They had a Prime Day that that was no, that was in October, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's going to be in the Q4 numbers. Yeah, okay, so that, that's without and, a Prime and, Day, and we don't call it Prime Day; we call it Early Prime Access. Yes, the thing that we will not be called Prime Day, <laughs> the artist previously known as Prime Day. Um, so, so that that was good, and then you track the e-commerce data closer than I do. That that's got to be pretty significantly above the Census Bureau data, right? Uh, it's slightly above, uh, the, so we don't have Q3 e-commerce data yet. So we only have that non-store, uh, yeah. sales data and it's, it's in line with the non-store sales data, okay. but the e-commerce data is usually a little lower. So, uh, next month we'll get that. And I, I do have a feeling that Amazon's Q3 is going to outperform the, the industry's e-commerce. Interesting. Yep. And then where is retail? Where did retail land? Uh, pretty high also, um, the, this, uh, I'm going to buy time while I, uh, uh, pull up my number, but, uh, this is kind of the, so year to date, um, retail is up 9.1%. Okay. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't do a Q3 breakout. Um, but overall spending in, in North America by consumers has remained robust, which, like has shown up in the Amazon earnings and shown up in the the Shopify earnings, um, which is you know I think somewhat surprised a lot of people because with all the the economic news, people are kind of expecting that consumers would tighten their belt, and it seems like they've changed what they spend on, but they're continuing to spend so far. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a bright spot, uh, and then to kind of pair that uh, in, in with a dark spot. Uh, international revenues were down 12%, and that's when you take out the impact of foreign currency. Um, so Europe is definitely in what I would call an e-commerce slash retail recession. You know, um, have a lot of empathy for folks. Their their power bills are just surging, and they're having to decide, you know, do I do I pay my for my heat, or do I buy a pair of shoes online, or whatever it is. Um, so, so I think we're going to have a really rough Q4, Q1 here um, for anyone that has exposure to Europe. Um, now, Amazon, to their credit, did manage their expenses and beat on the bottom line here. So it was less – they were able to kind of take this downward trend and manage their expenses. And so it wasn't a, uh, a double – a miss revenue, miss profit. So it was a miss on revenue, uh, you know, lower revenue than expected, but then also – but they, they kind of made it up uh, with efficiencies. Um, that being said, you know, it, it it's a – this is pretty interesting. So, so FedEx was one of the first companies to kind of say, Hey, we think, we think we're heading into a global recession. Then everyone else said, we don't see it. And then, so this is another data point that kind of says, yeah, there's something really going on and we're really starting to see it in the data here. Um, so, and you know, so there, there was a Jeff Bezos, uh, tweet, uh, like a week or two ago that was like kind of his own POV. And I think it was batting down the hatches. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you'd imagine being on the board, he sees, you know, the other thing that's interesting with these big companies is they they get a fair amount of time to do this. You know, so we're, you know, they've got another month of data that they're looking at. So that uh, we'll talk about the fourth quarter. So there's reading the body language. It feels like it's getting worse. So we'll talk about that. Um, but on the bottom line, so all that was the top line and, and kind of the interior parts of revenue. Let's look at the profitability. Operating income came in at 2.53 billion versus 2.94 billion. So that's a 0.4 billion to 400 million, which again isn't, isn't a massive number, but percentage wise, it's about a 15 to 20% miss. So that, that's pretty big percentage miss on the bottom line of expectations. So 
yeah, so that's the uh, you know it was a miss on the top line, miss on the bottom line. So so uh, overall miss, and then we'll, we'll talk about the lower. I did see a couple interesting details. The two I picked out, then I'll kick it over to you, Jason. Um, third-party units, uh, this is a metric that's near and dear to my heart, um, hit a new high of 58% of units. So you know, one of the things I, I in my mind that Amazon has this lever uh, that they can pull and send more, you know, do less 1P and more 3P if they want to drive profit over revenue. So there, there's a trade-off there. Higher, they have a high margin, high margin, low revenue, high margin business, high revenue, low margin business. And they can kind of like dial between those. And it feels like they pulled that dial over towards the 3P side. That could also be supply chain issues. There's a million things that could go on there. Um, the other thing that was interesting is Amazon goes through these, what I would call invest and harvest cycles. And during COVID, they invested a major amount. They almost doubled their fulfillment footprint. Um, and so they've, they signaled to Wall Street in Q2 that they were going to go through kind of a harvesting phase where they were going to stop adding capacity. And in fact, they've actually, um, you know, uh, they've shut down some warehouses. They've sold some so that they've actually started this, this kind of harvesting mode from all that investment. Where that's reflected is in the symmetric they released called shipping expenses, which they measure as a percentage of online store revenues. Uh, it was 37.2%, and that's an improvement this quarter over last quarter's 37.9%. So that, that's pretty impressive, especially, you know, the sales grew through there. So so to be able to grow the 20% we're talking about and reduce expenses is, is very impressive. Um, on the call, they said that they were able to squeeze out a billion dollars in operation improvement in the quarter um, and that they were pretty excited by that. But they actually felt like they had missed their inter- internal goal by 500. So they were going to do 1.5 billion and they came out with a billion. So I suspect we'll see some of those things come in the fourth quarter. They did say that that thing that uh, we will not call Prime Day caused was a little bit of a challenge because, you know, they they're, they're sitting, you're sitting there and you're like putting the screws to things and you're really figuring out. And then suddenly you have this day where you have a record number of orders come through and it, that makes it hard to do. So they, that, that was a speed bump in that. Any other little tidbits you saw in the, the big picture before we dive into some of the other pieces? Yeah. Mine were probably a little more frivolous than yours. Uh, but we always talk about, you know, how Amazon hates the profitability metric and they, you know, they talk about gap profitability, not being, like that relevant and how much more uh, Jeff Bezos likes free cash flow. Um, well, another uh, example of that hitting home for me was in this earnings call, they, they kind of talked about the last couple of quarters of, of their profitability uh, and what a huge impact the value of the Rivian stock was on it. And it, it like literally was like the most influential thing in whether, you know, they, they were uh, profitable or not. Um, and so, you know, Rivian had a better quarter this time than uh, last quarter. And so that that uh, materially changed Amazon's profitability. Um, so it's just it's funny because they're they're not solely owned by Amazon, but the, Amazon's a major investor like that. That's a new kind of X factor in their earnings. Um, that may have been previously obvious to you. Uh, but then the way more important one uh so, you know, the their first season of Rings of Power wrapped up two weeks ago, and everyone in the entertainment industry has noted that they really haven't come out and bragged about any audience measure metrics from that show. Um, and we know Amazon likes to brag about its wins, so uh, the assumption is that it was a little underwhelming from a performance standpoint. And then in this earnings, they referenced that they got nearly 100 million viewers for the show. Um, 
So that probably means they got less than 90 million viewers or they would have just said 100 million. But we'll generously say they got 100 million views, uh, eight episodes of the show. That means they averaged about 12.5 million viewers per episode. Um, and to put that in perspective, HBO has said they, they got tw- uh, uh, north of 29 million uh, views per episode of House of the Dragon. So, um, you know, compared to a normal TV show, those are all good numbers, but these are, you know, the world's most expensive TV shows. So it, it does seem in this first season that uh, uh, HBO is better at getting an audience for their, their blockbuster TV shows than, than uh, uh, Amazon is so far. Yeah, I've heard better. I haven't watched either. I'm saving them for for a holiday binge, but I've heard more positive buzz of, from House of Dragon than than the Rings of Power. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think both are totally watchable. I enjoyed both. Uh, there's this weird, you know, there's people that have such a love for the the both worlds um, that you know the TV shows fall fall short of people's expectations, and so I, like I have a feeling for like huge. Um, you know, canon lovers of Lord of the Rings that like, you know, they, they might've been a little extra disappointed, but if you kind of just come into it cold and say, Hey, is this a good piece of, uh, of, uh, fantasy fiction and is it entertaining to watch? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, and you alluded to this a little bit, the uh, early prime access is not in the Q3 numbers. Um, but they, they do reference it in the earnings and, uh, it was a a successful event. Like it, it's very clear that it did not um, uh, come close to approaching the level of success uh, uh, that Prime Day typically has, or even that the Prime Day in October a couple of years ago had. Um, and you know, so there's there's been a lot made. A lot of media has written about, oh, it's a failure because it's not another huge uh, spike like Prime Day. Uh, I'm not actually sure that was the bar or the goal. Um, you know, Amazon, like every other retailer, has a lot of imperfect inventory at the moment. And I'll, and it seems like they got a chance to sell through a lot of that uh, at this event. And so, like, I, you know, I, I think how you judge that event has a lot to do with what you think the success criteria of the event was. But um, uh, that that's another sort of tidbit. Like, they certainly didn't come out, you know, if, if it had been a home run it would have been one of the the top six bullets at the at the beginning of their their earnings press release and it it was not yeah this this kind of goes to the changing consumer behavior another thing um that I didn't chat with you before we prepped is uh you know again I watch a lot of CNBC audience and- members are going to be surprised to find out that we ever prepped for this show <laughs> our very light prep uh the both the CEO of Hertz United and I think it was American or Delta Airlines they all talked about these new patterns they're seeing in travel where and there's not a great name for it yet. But what's happening is people will go on a personal or a business trip and they're staying longer. And because so many people are working, um, working, you know, remote, they'll go and do uh, they'll go on. Like, let's say you had a business trip somewhere. You and your significant other could go to that and then have fun and then stay three more days into the next week. So what used to be like little snack size trips, like two or three day trips, both for personal and business have turned into these six, eight, 10 day type trips. Yeah. It's uh work leisure. I'm naming it, but yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, you know, so then people are spending a lot more money on that, which I think could be part of, you know, you, you, people only have so big a wallet and whatnot. So yeah, 
so so it's going to be interesting to see how this holiday sets up. It's going to there's so many changing behaviors. I, I uh, it's going to be a lot to pick out of this one. Yeah, no, for sure. I I do think uh, again, you know, people are talking about all these economic headwinds. You uh, ordinarily that slows consumer spending way down. So far, we haven't in North America seen consumer spending slow down. But what they've spent on has totally changed. And per your point, it is still more sort of like experiences and pent up demand for things that people weren't able to do during the height of the pandemic. Um, and it is, you know, they're spending more of their wallet on, on, uh, needs instead of wants, um, as the needs have gotten more expensive due to inflation. Um, so like to me, the most common story we're hearing is, uh, revenue looks pretty strong, but profitability, uh, really sucks because we're, we're selling the wrong stuff and we don't have enough of the right stuff in stock. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you you dug into um, the AWS and ads. What did you see there? Yeah. Uh, well, you you mentioned up front that uh, the stock, uh, the Amazon stock, really took a hit after the earnings, and it feels like that was two things: um, uh, their guidance that we'll talk about in a minute, uh, but also um, uh, I think the street was really spooked by the kind of slowing rate of growth of AWS. Uh, you know, for a long time. AWS has been the crown jewel of Amazon uh, in terms of, you know, a big revenue number that's growing super fast and is wildly profitable. Um, so AWS sales for the quarter were $20.5 billion, which is a big number. That's up 27% or 20% of you just for, for currency, um, which again, like it, in most cases, you go to someone and say, hey, uh, you've got a highly profitable $20 billion a quarter business and it grew by 27% th uh, this year from last year. How do you feel about that? You'd feel pretty good. But Wall Street's expectation were that they would grow by more than 32%. Um, and so it was like a, a, a significant miss. Um, and if you, you know, you look at the recent history of growth of AWS, I mean, you go back to 2021, it was, 37% growth, 39% growth, 40% growth, 37, 33, and now 28. This is the first time it's dropped into the 20s. And so I think there's a real fear on the part of investors that like, um, is the law of large numbers finally starting to catch up with this business? Um, and do, you know, do investors have to reset expectations about, uh, what AWS can contribute to the pot going forward? Yeah, a lot of people have been predicting a slowdown there because of the large law of large numbers, but uh, it's always sad when it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, I don't know what the answer is because on the on one hand, it seems totally intuitive that it would slow down. It's such a, a big business. The, there, there is a strong argument that as much money as that generates, uh, it is shocking what a small percentage of the world's compute is in the cloud still. And so it does. There, there, it's easy to craft an argument um, that we're still in the first inning of the world migrating to the cloud. Um, and so a hypothesis is not that like the fast run rate for these cloud services is over. Um, but that, uh, businesses spending, uh, to move to the cloud has slowed down because of the economy. Right. And that, you know, as, as, um, the, there's more economic dark clouds, you know, Amazon has certainly cut back and, and, uh, tried to contain costs. Every other uh, uh, company in the world is doing that. And often that means that migration to the cloud project that they were planning, you know, has to take a back seat. So, so some of that could be in there as well. Yeah. And I saw uh, in the call, they cited energy costs. So, so AWS also had some pressure on the bottom line and they cited energy costs. 
Um, and then I got to imagine this European recession, you know, the, a lot of the, the energy around AWS comes from startups and startup formation is always, um, you know, low during recessionary periods. So, yeah. So if we do get a global recession, it's going to be under pressure, but I think the long-term addressable market for it's just massive. So we'll see. Exactly. Uh, but the good news for Amazon is they, they secretly have a better business than AWS. Um, which, which is the bloody ads business, right? Um, and so we've, we've talked about this for a couple quarters. Um, uh, you know, it, this used to be buried in other that, you know, a couple quarters ago, they had to disclose it for the first time. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was another good quarter, uh, for the ads business. It grew 25%, 30% of you adjust, uh, for currency. Um, so they, they sold $9.5 billion worth of ads this quarter, um, which, uh, is not as big as AWS, um, but the margins for ads are way better than the margins for AWS. Cause as you mentioned, you know, the cost of goods for an ad is essentially zero. Um, but there's very expensive electricity, um, re uh, required for each unit of compute that AWS sells. Uh, so you add up the last four quarters of the ads business and it's now a $36 billion business. Um, which is uh, another remarkable business. I, I've done the math before, and if you kind of you know impute uh, uh, income from from AWS and ads, ads has already surpassed AWS in terms of total income contribution. <laughs> um, one slight wrinkle for for our listeners uh, in the world of retail and commerce right now, like one of the top topics that keeps coming up over and over again is retail media networks. Every Every retailer has seen this Amazon business and they're launching their own version of it called the uh, retail media network and investing heavily in it. Um, and every brand is struggling with how to deal with all of these retail media networks and if they're a good investment and, and how to deal with them. So that, uh, it's, it's a huge topic right now. And I would just point out, um, that while, uh, the bulk of Amazon's ad business is a retail media network, uh, Amazon is bigger than a retailer, right? And so the, the ads revenue that Amazon's talking about does include, uh, Thursday night football and, uh, Lord of the Rings and, you know, uh, uh, Twitch and a lot of other things that Target does not have, right? So I just want to remind people that it's not really apples to apples to compare, um, you know, Amazon's, uh, you know, kind of, uh, $40 billion annualized run rate against uh uh you know and say that gosh if if they're getting you know this many dollars per per uh retail uh gmv dollar then then everyone else should be getting the same because it's it's not really apples to apples yeah on the amazon ads i saw this interesting article um it was titled google's pain is amazon's gain which i thought was cute and uh it talked about how if you annualize that um you know, this is a $40 billion line for Amazon, which makes it a third the size of Facebook now, um, and a sixth the size of Google. So we've, we've, uh, we've on the show, we've been talking about this and I remember when it passed Snapchat and then Twitter. Um, so it's really, there's a day where it could close in on Facebook because it's the Amazon side is growing very rapidly. Facebook seems kind of lost in the jungle focused on virtual reality and not fixing their core business. So those lines could cross pretty quickly, which would give us this new duopoly of Google and Amazon ads, which 
three years ago, if we had said that, people would have thought we were crazy. People do think we're crazy, but yeah. Yeah, it, it totally could. I, I will say one caveat here. There is a big difference at the moment between Amazon's ad business and like Meta and Google's ad business. Um, the Amazon still gets a lot of traffic by buying ads on Google. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the, the other big ad platforms are all organically earning their traffic and then they're monetizing it. Um, Amazon does kind of buy eyeballs at wholesale from Google and then sell them retail to, to brands on, on Amazon. So there, there is a bit of arbitrage that's happening there. Now, as they create more, um, loyal Amazon Prime customers and more, you know, viewers of all their entertainment properties that, you know, it'll be more apples to apples. But, and I haven't looked this quarter, but last quarter, um, you know, they, they, uh, you know, on a, or, a quarter ago, it, on an annual basis, they spent about seventeen billion dollars on ads. So, they they bought a lot of traffic that they then resold. Yeah, cool. So that that kind of wraps up our Q three highlights. So then let's zoom out. And uh, at the top, I mentioned you know that the dam that Wall Street looks at kind of the current quarter and the future quarter. So that was Q three. So it was kind of a a miss. Uh, and then. The whenever a public company like this updates the current quarter, they also update their outlook for the future quarter, which in this context would be fourth quarter calendar, fourth quarter. So Amazon guided um, to 140 to 148 billion for the quarter. So that would imply uh, about 4.8% year over year growth at the midpoint. Now they don't give us guidance on North America and international. So there's, you know, I imagine inside of there, you would still see North America growing 15 to 20%. And then, you know, the, the non-North America, they call it the non-domestic business having a headwind. And that's where you get this 4.8 would be the delta there. Um, but what, what, what's really bad about that is Wall Street prior to this report had thought they would do 155 billion. So let me say those numbers clearly. Wall Street thought that Amazon would do 155 billion in, in fourth quarter. And now they're saying basically 144. So, so that was a pretty big uh, lowering of expectations. And then also on the bottom line, Wall Street thought they would do $5 billion of operating income. And Amazon said, well, zero to four, the midpoint's two. That's a change of $3 billion. So Wall Street didn't like that. But, you know, if you're, if you're you know, uh, jassy and you're running this thing, you want to lower expectations because it makes it easier to beat them in the long run. If you, if you, you know, part of Amazon's DNA is to be a much longer thinking kind of company. So you, you typically, if that's how you think, you'll take some short term pain for long term gain. So, you know, some folks feel like maybe they kitchen sinked this thing and they knew third quarter wasn't going to meet what everyone wanted. So they thought this is a great time to go ahead and rip the band aid off and really lower into fourth quarter. Other people look at that body language, like I mentioned, and they say, wow. You know, it maybe it got worse, especially in Europe in the fourth quarter, and maybe that's what caused them to really kind of ratchet this down. We won't, sadly, we won't know until January, February when they release their results. But, um, you know, you can count on us here at the Jason Scott Show. We're going to be tracking the holiday. Uh, we have some really great content planned for you. This is when we kick into overdrive and really track things going on. So we have a lot of content there, but it's not a great setup heading into the holiday. Would, would you agree with that, Jason? Yeah, I definitely think um, this is a strong warning sign for people that are uh, bullish on the uh, the holiday. Um, I do, you know, kind of overall, I look at this whole thing and I say, you know, it was an interesting earnings uh, call. Uh, not a heck of a lot in this earnings call was uh, a result of internal stuff going on in Amazon that like it, it very much reflects 
affects the macroeconomic trends that that are happening to Amazon. And those same macroeconomic trends, of course, uh, happen to everyone else as well. So it's it's interesting. I, you know, Amazon has become a very useful um, sort of a, a indicator uh, for where the economy is going. And, and, you know, the economists have been arguing quite a bit about where it's going. So it's interesting to see some data. Yeah, well, I think uh, we've done it, Jason. We've used up everyone's time. Yeah. Um, so this is where we will leave it today. Uh, if this was valuable for you, we certainly would love it. If you jump on to iTunes and leave us that five-star review, make sure you've got your podcast player uh, dialed in uh, uh, to download all our new episodes uh, because you're not going to want to miss um, some of the, the play-by-play of Holiday. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We hope all of your holiday Q4 results exceed your expectations. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 